Welcome to the Art of Being a Mum podcast, where I, Alison Newman, a singer, songwriter and Aussie mum of two, enjoys honest and inspiring conversations with artists and creators about the joys and issues they've encountered while trying to be a mum and continue to create. You'll hear themes like the mental juggle, changes in identity, how their work's been influenced by motherhood, mum guilt, cultural norms, and we also stray into territory such as the patriarchy, feminism, and capitalism. You can find links to my guests and topics we discuss in the show notes, along with a link to the music played, how to get in touch, and a link to join our supportive and lively community on Instagram. I'll always put a trigger warning if we discuss sensitive topics on the podcast, but if at any time you're concerned about your mental health, I urge you to talk to those around you, reach out to health professionals or seek out resources online. I've compiled a list of international resources which can be accessed on the podcast landing page, alisonnewman.net slash podcast. The Art of Being a Mum would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land and water which this podcast is recorded on as being the Boendick people in the Berrin region. I'm working on land that was never ceded. Hello and welcome to the podcast. It is such a pleasure to have you here from wherever you're listening all around the world. My guest this week is Joe Maloney. Joe is a singer, songwriter and musician from Melbourne, Victoria in Australia and she's a mum of three boys. As a child, Joe saw any raised platform as an opportunity to perform. It was her stage and she would love belting out a song or two for anyone who was around. On seeing Olivia Newton-John in the movie Xanadu, Jo knew it was the moment that she wanted to be a singer. Jo has enjoyed an extensive vocal career that started when she competed in local talent quests from the age of 10, singing country music, and anything on a backing track that she could get her teenage hands on before moving to Sydney. After nine years successfully gigging the pub and corporate scene in a covers band, she relocated to London, where she eventually found work in a number of cover bands on a full-time basis. This also took her in the direction of band management for a number of years. It wasn't until Jo moved to Melbourne in 2012, after 10 years in London with three kids in tow, that motherhood really took over and became all-consuming. It was when she turned 40 that she decided that she wanted to try luck at writing her own music after being inspired as a 14-year-old by a 16-year-old Debbie Gibson song, Lost In Your Eyes. It's only been in the last four years, just before COVID, and now that her three children are older, that she really has decided to become accountable to herself and her dreams and put in 100% effort. Under the guise of Dragonfly Industry, her music weaves together creativity, thoughtful lyricism and eclectic pop-infused instrumentals. Jo released her debut single, Ghost, last year. It reflected Jo's life of once believing that dreams are risky and unattainable and only for the lucky few, to realising that they can come true. The track gained attention from industry and core fan base alike, winning the Real Songwriters of Melbourne Community Award, as well as earning a top five spot in the Real Songwriters of Melbourne Song of the Year. 2023 will see Jo continue to embrace her development. She's set to release a self-produced debut EP in late 2023, as well as a slew of new singles. 
Joe exudes the philosophy that it's never too late to explore your passions, find your legacy, and live your purpose every day. Throughout this episode, you'll hear Joe's music. I hope you enjoy today's episode. It's the final episode in season three of the podcast. I know you're walking through hardened wilderness, feeling lost on the battleground. Darkened sky leaves a fever in your chest, cause you always look so much for coming on joe it's such a pleasure to meet you and put a face to the to the voice <laughs> thanks for having me it's wonderful to be here Alison. yeah it's lovely and um you're whereabouts are you in australia so i'm based in melbourne yep i had a oh, feeling just outside melbourne. of yep. melbourne yeah uh in werribee so i guess it's still um, past the western suburbs of yeah melbourne. my nana used to live in hoppers crossing Okay, yeah, that's not very far away at all. Oh, wow, there you go. How long have you been in Werribee for? Uh, Only eight years. I'm not originally from Melbourne. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm actually, um, I've kind of been all over really, but uh, I guess I spent most of my childhood up in New South Wales, uh, just south of Port Macquarie. Oh, beautiful. yeah, really, really lovely spot. Um, my mum my and dad are still up there and, and um, uh, it's, yeah, it's it's beautiful to go home. I wouldn't say home. I haven't lived there for, yeah. home for a long, long time. But it's, yeah. it's beautiful to go and see them and have a holiday as well because they're right by the beach. And mm. So I've only been, I've been in Melbourne for 10 years, but I've been in Werribee for eight. Yeah, yeah. But isn't Port Macquarie like the place in Australia that has the most number of like really good weather days or something? Is that... Port Macquarie? I have absolutely no idea. Someone told me I that once because where I live, I'm in Mount Gambia and the weather is just yes. foul. I mean, you'd be familiar with that being in Melbourne. <laughs> it's pretty. Yes. The weather down this way is not that great. Yeah. And I remember no. whinging one day about the weather and they said, oh, some, I'm sure they said Port Macquarie had like, because I said, I just want it to be like 25 degrees with sunshine. Like, is that too much to ask? And they're like, yeah, yeah. I know, I know. <laughs> I don't think it's quite like that up there. Um, mm-hmm. Certainly not now. I think they get very, very hot and humid up mm-hmm. there now. Um, I think yeah, it's right. definitely a lot more humid than what it used to be when I was living there. Um, yeah, right. Um, so it might, it may have been like that once upon a time, but <laughs> don't know now. Okay. That's interesting, <laughs> isn't it? about your music you are a musician a singer songwriter how did you first get into music when do you have this moment of like recalling when you sort of first discovered music uh I remember always being a show-off um right from sort of being kind of like three four years old I loved being the centre of attention and I think that had a lot to do with the fact that not only was I the old, oldest child but I was the oldest grandchild on mm-hmm. both sides of the family. Yeah. Um, the distinct memory I really have is every time I saw like a raised platform I was singing whether it be yes. my grandparents balcony 
um or the front veranda of their house or I can remember being in a shopping center and like seeing steps somewhere and I'd be on the steps singing my little heart out because it felt like a stage (laughs) and it wasn't I don't think it was like watch me this Mm -hmm. is what I can do it was just something that I gravitated towards when I saw the movie Xanadu that Mm -hmm. was the moment that clicked for me that I thought oh that's what I want to do I want to mm. sing I want to I want to just be this person that just sings and is beautiful and um and I was obsessed with that movie for such a long time growing yeah. up absolutely yeah. obsessed my my whole family will still tell me to this day how long I would spend swinging on a swing singing Xanadu yeah. hours <laughs> oh, um, the first time I think I felt like I really wanted to be a songwriter was when I was about uh, 14 I think mm-hmm. um, back in the late 80s and there was a 14 year old singer songwriter named no she was 16 sorry mm-hmm. Debbie Gibson Oh yeah, and yeah. I fell in love with her song "Lost in Your Eyes," and I mm-hmm. thought, "Oh, I would love to be able to play the piano and sing like that." And yep. so I tried to emulate that for a few few years, and then I think I just got too nervous yeah. um, with with writing and and just fear of judgment, and mm-hmm. so I just decided I was just going to be a singer. <laughs> Yeah, right. And I actually put away the songwriting for a really, really long time. Yeah. Um, and only identified as a vocalist. Um, so it's only really been actually in the last three or four years that I've started to want more and think actually I think there's more in me than just being a singer. Mm. Um, yep. And that was when I actually started to really take songwriting seriously. Yeah. 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 Good on you. Yeah. I can totally relate to what you're saying, like completely (laughs) relate to that. It's like, I don't know, like, and it's almost like life's happening around you. Like you have your kids and you're growing up and there's all this other stuff happening. And it's like, you sort of half forget that you have these skills almost, excuse me, that you actually used to write when you were a kid. And then all of a sudden Mm, you go, why am I doing that anymore? You know? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Because it comes writing comes from somewhere else and singing and performing is such an outer thing it's what's on the outside writing is what is on the inside and it's learning for me it was learning to tap into that because I had spent such a long time living outside of myself um and um so that's been a whole new experience for me which has been really, really exciting just to find my depth mm-hmm. with it all. And I still don't feel like I've quite gotten there yet. Yeah. I think, I, but I mean, look, no one really ever gets to that destination, do they, where they're like, right, yes, I've got it all figured out. <laughs> yeah. But that in itself is pretty exciting, isn't it, that you've, you're on this journey and I mean, for want of a better word, everyone uses that with you on your journey. Oh, they do. I know, you know, I know. I mean? Like yeah. you're, you're learning these things about yourself and you're discovering more and more. And you know, like from what you're just saying there, you know there's more there and that's pretty exciting, 
isn't yes, it? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. It's like going on an adventure. Mm, yeah. And yeah. I, I try and use the word safari because it can get pretty wild in there. <laughs> <laughs> That's a cool analogy. <laughs> oh, dear. So... So with the music that you're writing now, what's your sort of, um, I guess, your inspiration coming from? Um, I think a lot of it is... Uh, from music theatre, I've realised. Yeah, um, I listened to a lot of music theatre and a lot of power vocalists as a teenager as well. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, I think I, at this point in time in my life, I think I try and write like that. Mm-hmm. Even though I don't feel like I have that kind of voice, it's yeah. just, I suppose, it, it makes it easy for me to concoct a story in my head and yeah. visualise what I'm trying to write about. So, yeah, I, I I like to sort of think of it now as being a bit more music theatre music theater oriented. Mm. Um, yeah, quite dramatic. I think I have a bit of a dramatic voice, very yeah. dynamic. So I tend yeah. to like to have lots of dynamics in my, my songs, sort of lots of little quiet bits and then really sort of mm. loud yeah. bits. Um and um yeah so at this point in time that's that's the influence for me and it took a little while for me to realize that because I was just writing I was just writing what I was hearing in my head and not really attaching any label to it or any genre Mm -hmm. and now the more I think about it it that's where it comes from I think yeah cool so Mm. um I think that's the the awesome thing about writing your own songs. You can pick where you want the key to be. You can pick the range. And like you Mm -hmm. said, you can really like accentuate those like really exciting parts of your voice, like using the dynamics. That's something I've, I think is really cool. Even though I tend, I think I tend to write most of my songs in the same key. (laughs) Oh, so many people do. And I, I sometimes do as well. I think kind of because as being vocalist do you know where your voice naturally sits yeah yeah Don't that's you? it yeah so <laughs> it is it's a lot it's really easy to fall into that trap of oh I'll just write it in D major again <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know what sounds good oh, exactly dear. yeah that's funny day job or is music everything that you do in your life music I'm very I'm very very fortunate that aside from mothering music is the other thing in my life my husband has been insanely supportive of me focusing on music um because he knows that's what makes me happy and I he he actually wouldn't want me to to 
go and do another job because every time I come to him and say, Hey, I've been offered this and I, and he'll be just like, uh, is that really, are you going to have time? Yeah. <laughs> like volunteering for my kids basketball, like to be team manager of my kids basketball team. And it's like, seriously, it's not going to take that long and not take that much time out of my week. So he yeah. does get very quite protective of my music sphere, I suppose you could say. So yeah, I'm really, really fortunate that music is, is the be all and end all for me, which is great. Mm -hmm. It's still so a hobby at this point in time. Um, yep. but I have, I have done some gigs and, and earned a little bit of money from it, which has been nice. So yeah, it's just yeah. building on that. Yeah, absolutely. That's the thing, isn't it? It's a, it is a constant, like you said, it's a safari. It's like a, mm. it's an adventure. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, dear. So tell me about your kids. How many kids have you got, Joe? So I've got three boys. Yeah. Um, one wants to remain nameless. So I have um, Max, who just turned 13 last week, this yeah. week. Uh, and I've got twin boys. So Zach and twin one, and they are 11. So three boys. Yeah. And a set of twins in there. Like that's pretty full of twins in there as well. Yeah. <laughs> so for, for a little while, uh, it, <laughs> I had three under two for about six weeks. Sweet. Oh, mm. man. Yeah. Oh. So. <laughs> <laughs> Thankfully for that whole time, uh, we were over in London at the moment The at that point in time. The kids were all born over there. <laughs> uh, we're in hospital for three weeks. Um, my husband had the luxury of working for himself and was able to take time off to be with Max, uh, while I had to go into the hospital every day. Mm -hmm. Um, and then my parents actually flew over for six weeks as well. So I think okay. really for the, and then my husband was able to take some more time off work. So for the yeah. first sort of three months of, of their life, I had help mm -hmm. around me, which was yeah. amazing. Um, yeah. and then everyone's life just kind of went back on track and I was at home with <laughs> three oh. little ones. <laughs> oh man. Hey, can I ask a question? Um, so you had your, had the twins after you already had one child. Yes. Is it better or worse? Because some people have said this, it's better, like they're glad they had twins first because they didn't know what they were in for. Is it better or not worse? Because you know what I mean? But what was the perspective like? Yeah. <laughs> for me, obviously, I can only go by my experience. Um, for me, I am glad that I had the twins second mm -hmm. because um, I felt like Max was a really tricky baby. I felt like he never really settled properly mm -hmm. for the first six months anyway. And you know what it's like when you're a first-time mum and the moment they're crying, you're thinking, oh, what's wrong? What, mm. what 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 do I need to do? Yeah. When I had the twins, I had no choice sometimes but to leave one of them to cry. I'd mm. be kind of there, you know what? You're fine. I'm sort of elbow deep in your brother's nappy at the moment. There's yeah. nothing I can do. Yeah. Um, and so I felt it was more about micromanaging the three of them. Yeah, right. 
more than anything else. But in terms of um, them as babies and me as a mother and, and them being second, I feel very fortunate that they were actually second because I felt a lot calmer and a lot mm-hmm. more confident as a mum. Yeah, 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 that makes like, sense. So, um, I, yeah, I don't, I've honestly having, I do remember one night and I tell this, this story a lot to people where, um, I think it, one of the twins had been crying maybe for two hours. They just wouldn't settle. Mm-hmm. And just as he settled, his brother decided to kick off. <laughs> and so when you're thinking, oh, great, awesome, you're about to go to sleep, that's great, it's midnight, yeah. okay, yeah, I can go to bed. Then the other one kicks off. And and I remember being upstairs and, and they were still in like, uh, baskets and <laughs> picking up the basket trudging downstairs to my husband who was yeah. feeding the other twin who'd settled and just being saying to him I am so sick and tired of crying babies I'm just sick of it mm-hmm. um and there were definitely moments like that where I just thought it's just too much the feeding I at night time, oh my, I remember not doing as the book's telling you to do, where if you feed one child, one twin, wake the other one up to feed. I remember just thinking, oh, my God, I'm so tired. Yeah. The moment you fall asleep, I'm going to go back to bed, But which was so stupid because half an hour later, the other one's woken up anyway. So yeah. Yeah. Oh, I've never, ever known sleep deprivation like that. I so Even as unsettled as Max was as a baby, Mm-hmm. I certainly didn't have the sleep deprivation with him like I did with Zach. I, I couldn't talk. I couldn't. Oh, I, I couldn't string a sentence together. I was just that tired, um, and that oh, was yeah. yeah. That was pretty tough, even with help for the first few months. Mm. Yeah, um, gosh, it's full on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. And also managing, as I said, managing the three of them. I did a lot of reading about that. Uh, before that came along mm-hmm. um, and you have absolutely no control on managing your children when you're out and about we look like an absolute circus <laughs> when we were walking around it was just me <laughs> and this wall of children I had I'd usually have uh, Max and Zach in the stroller And I'd have, because he was really tiny when he was born, I'd have strapped to me. So Mm -hmm. I'd be like baby on my chest, two little ones in front of me and just walking. And it wasn't a, like a front and back pram. It was a side by side. Yeah. So (laughs) yeah, I was literally a circus everywhere (laughs) I went. And so people would Mm. often stop me, obviously, as they do, they see twins or I'd have both the twins in the stroller and Max, I'd be holding Max's hand. People would gravitate to the twins and it's initially and mm-hmm. oh twins and ooing and ahhing which is fine but inevitably they'd ask oh how old are they and and books would always say that this is going to happen and to always include your oldest child first in the conversation and say mm-hmm. well I have Max here he's two Zacha however months old they were but again mm-hmm. People would then say to Max, oh, you're a big brother. Aren't you lucky you've got twin brothers? And he's not stupid. He wasn't stupid back then. Mm-hmm. And he knew immediately that this conversation is still about them mm. and it's not about me. So yeah. for that first kind of 12 to 18 months for, for Max was very difficult as well because he 
just hated being stopped. He Mm -hmm. got to a point where I'd pick him up and he'd be grabbing my face and he'd be saying, go, 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 go now, go, because he just hated it. Yeah, um, yeah, totally understandable because it yeah. just he felt so left out. And yeah, what what can you do as a mother in that situation when other people's actions are beyond? Yeah, what you can do and that's it. You're trying it. your best. You know, you're saying you know you're including him, but people are just all in you know twin land and all lost mm. in their heads. And yeah, that's, that's full it. on, isn't it, for a little fella like that? Have yeah, he, yeah. Like, has he has he recovered from that, or does he still feel? No. Yeah, right. Yeah. He, not that he would understand just yet, but I think there is a lot of trauma in him. Mm, um, yeah. He doesn't, he, he, he really sometimes is quite venomous to, mm-hmm. uh, to one of the twins in particular. Yeah. Um, and he, and, and I mean, look, he's a teenager now and he's going through teenage angsty yeah. sort of stuff, very like me um, in terms of trying to be the black sheep of the family, which he is and that's fine. But yeah. I do sense that a lot of his actions and a lot of what he says is some very deep trauma that, like I said, he mm. doesn't even know exists yet. Yeah. Um, and also too, I think... I obviously was doing my very best to cope, mm. but I was tired. I was tired. And so yeah. when I had Max in bed and wanting me to stay and cuddle him, all I could think of was I need some time out. Yeah. I, You're in bed now and I need to walk away and just be me for mm. a couple of hours before I go to bed. And I mm. look back on that now and I feel terrible. Mm. But, but that's the thing, you've got to look after yourself, don't you? Or you can't look yeah. after anybody. So Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. My, my husband, very early on after having Max, five weeks into it, I was sort of wasn't really sort of singing at the time, but I was actually managing the band that I was singing in. And, mm-hmm. and I remember it being a, a band of I was the only female and it was blokes. And, and obviously they're not really understanding what it is to be a new mum. Mm. and trying to juggle that and trying to juggle having my first child and and I just remember just falling in a heat one afternoon and my husband actually saying to me remember when you're in a plane and you have a child and those oxygen masks come down you have to put that oxygen mask on yourself before you put it on your child otherwise you're useless Mm. it's like it's it's an oxygen mask and even now he'll still say to me you have to put your mask on first Mm. oh she sounds like a good fella And it makes my day just to know that you're around, and it makes my day just to see your face. Then a bullet in my body ricochets, and it makes my day just to see you, and it makes my day just to know that you're around, and it makes my day. In those those early days when you're in the thick of it, was there any music? Was there an outlet for you? Um, I was very lucky in those early years when I was in London. Even though I had no family around, I had an amazing support base with um, other mothers that I had met at a at an antenatal class. Yep. 
and they they were like family. I had um, a couple of other friends as well who lived a bit further away, but all I needed to do was just call them day and night if I needed to, and they 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 would do whatever they could to get to me. So I felt incredibly supported in that way, um, and. Because I had a lovely network of other bands that I was working for as well, I was able, to, I was really lucky. I was able to actually pick and choose the gigs that I wanted to do. So mm-hmm. um, I was, wasn't was doing music on a full-time basis like I had been. But, yeah, I was in a really, really fortunate position of still gigging when I wanted to gig. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't have to travel very far if I didn't want to. So it was amazing. It was when I came to back to Australia was when things got tough and I did nothing. Yeah. Um, I didn't know anyone down here. The two friends that I had here lived right over the other side, so it wasn't like I was seeing them all the time. And it was me and four walls and three little babies. Yeah. And my husband was working in town, so he and he was doing long hours. And um, they... Jet and Zach took a little bit of time to walk. So they weren't really essentially very mobile when it came to getting out and about. Mm-hmm. Um, I was going to a play group, but it, the play group, the, the mothers there really weren't the people, they weren't my people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and it was just something to do. And I set up a studio in the spare room, but I didn't really do anything with it at all, hardly. Um, and I think because I didn't have the tools to, to write, I knew that that's kind of where I wanted to head, but, um, I still had such incredible creatives create writer's block. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I didn't know how to access that either. So not only was I not really accessing it physically, I didn't know how to access it mentally either. Mm. So yeah. it was really tricky and it wasn't really until um, I turned 40 and Max had started school and I wasn't doing any singing at all. I wasn't gigging and I thought, right, what do I want to do? What I've, It's come to a turning point for me now. What do I want to do? Do I want to just keep singing covers in cover bands? Or do I want to explore something a little bit further? Um, and that was when I decided that I wanted to start exploring, mm-hmm. creating for myself because mm-hmm. I hadn't done it for such a long time that I wanted, yeah, it it, it felt scary. And as I said, it felt wild, but mm-hmm. um, I it was just kind of this internal pull for me, I think, yeah. to do it. Um but I, again, I didn't know where to start. And I actually started, I found, I, I realized I wanted to sing in a choir for a little while. Yeah, I love right. singing harmonies. And, yeah. and I thought, oh, actually, singing in a choir for me right, right about now would be incredible. Mm. Um, and uh, I think it was back in 2016, the stars aligned. And I found on the ABC News website, this new choir that had started up called Melbourne Indie Voices. Oh, yeah. And yes, yes. (laughs) And they'd only just started. I think they'd started the week before. And Fia um, was was being interviewed. And I thought, oh, 
that's what I want to do. I don't want to sing anything like, oh, I didn't want to go there. Um, (laughs) The whole idea of singing arrangements of of songs by independent artists, I just thought, oh, that's it. That's what I want to do. Yeah. And... Oh, it was so much fun and I met some incredible people and Sophia and Josh, her partner, were just so insanely or are so insanely talented and it was just lovely to sing yeah. again, Yeah, sing with people. Um, and so I did that for a few years and that, that also did start to encourage me to start writing as well and I was getting lots of inspiration just from seeing what, had created with her arrangements for songs and mm. and um yeah that's it that was a real inspiration to to get moving with it and start just looking at how I can start what are the tools that I can find to to get me moving with it mm. um and yeah and then eventually I thought I don't I moved on from singing in the choir I thought I just want to invest in myself now Mm-hmm. and yep. COVID hit and it was for me it was probably the best thing ever creatively because <laughs> yeah. I was able to actually the boys were great with remote learning and we had some hiccups with with Max the eldest for a while but um mm. that just yeah that just really gave me a chance to start really exploring and and just through the power of social media meeting people and mm-hmm. yeah so that's been that's been it really <laughs> isn't it funny how things come to you at the right time like when you need stuff and things just appear I just love that mm. that's an awesome yeah story. <laughs> oh uh, something that I think I've I've really become really interested I mean I've been interested in it for a really really long time um but now I'm really delving, diving really deep into it is like manifestation and spirituality and yeah. meditation. And, and I find that I have a really, really amazing routine now of, of meditating in the morning and journaling and, and mm-hmm. object writing and really learning about and, and harnessing the, um, so what I'm looking for, just harnessing the energy mm, to yeah. create and to open up that channel and be the antenna and take all conscious thought out of out of it all and mm, yeah. just allow something else to take over. So, yeah, so I really have this huge belief now that, um, and as you, you've probably read and adapted yourself, where, yeah, when you, when you speak something out loud, and you have a feeling connected to that that sentence or that voice it does it, it it's an antenna it comes to yeah. you yeah it and makes I'm it real doesn't it that now yep, yeah absolutely i've had yeah. too many things in my life occur that i have wanted to happen for me to think this is not coincidence mm. yeah at all i've called this into existence yeah it's pretty powerful isn't it like i remember once um I can't remember who it was. Someone told me, because at this point I was just doing gigs. I wasn't writing, but I was just doing gigs and doing whatever, just sort of floating through, not really with any sort of purpose or whatever. Mm. And someone said to me, but what, like, what do you really want to do? What do you, what do what is your focus? And I sort of had to stop and think about it because I actually didn't know. Yeah. And then 
I I thought, well, actually, I'd really like to get back into my writing. And they said, well, what do you want to sort of achieve with your writing? And I and I said, oh, you know, I'd like to write a couple of songs, whatever. And they said, no, no, no. Think about what you want to happen. What do you want? Like it was it was almost like visualize, see yourself in this point doing whatever. And I said, oh, oh I'd really mm. like to write some really good songs and um, have someone that's going to produce them really well so they sound really good. And it was just like, uh, I don't know, just something completely shifted in me. Yeah. And it's like now I've just about finished this album and I'm so happy with it because it's yeah, just this, right. I don't know, just you're right. Like when you when you put it out there and you actually allow yourself to be open and, you yeah, like taking away how it's going to happen, you know, necessarily mm. planning things down to the nth degree, whatever, you just get clear with what you want. It's amazing. Yeah. Like it is amazing. It is, it? isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Blows my mind. <laughs> it does. And this is something that I'm trying to teach my children as well. Mm-hmm. Um. So the, the twins are responding really well to it. Yeah. Max, not so much. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's um, that teenage, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. And I think also too it is, as I said to you before, I think it is a little bit of that trauma that's in him because mm. he at this point, and he, he was always a happy child. I look at photos and he had he was always smiling and, and loving life. Um but I, he at the moment has sort of is walking in the dark path in terms of the world is a horrible place and there's nothing good about it and human beings are awful to each other and what's mm. the point? And, and so he's not wanting, and I, it's just the, the stubbornness in him as well as he's not wanting to respond or, or take in anything that I say about well whatever you look for it's what you're going to find if you're mm. going to look for the bad stuff that's what that's what's going to present to you if yeah. if you look for the good it works for the good stuff too but at the moment he's he that's not the track that he wants and mm. look mm. I'm not worried at this point in time <laughs> yeah yeah that's part of his outlier kind of persona that he likes to to revel in and he's always liked to be that type of person who who wants to walk to the beat of his own drum which is amazing like it's Mm. something that I want him to continue on and it's I guess I was like that as a child too it's like you can't tell me what I need to learn and think and do and you've just got to make the mistakes yourself and eventually yeah. something will click. And I know that will happen with him too. And it's just him knowing that mm. he's here to be the place that he can land. Mm. So, um, yeah. Yeah. But it's it's true, isn't it? Yeah. You call it into existence. You you become accountable. I think that's what it is too. Like when you're, mm. I think as creatives, just what you were saying, it's, it's almost like you, and you've probably had loads of other people say this to you as well. You have to give yourself permission, don't you? Which is so stupid to (laughs) want to have those things. Yeah. To want to be the songwriter, to want to have that album released and to Mm. know that you're just as deserving of that as somebody else. Mm. And it's not folly. It's not stupid. It's something that you really want to do. So why can't you do it? Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> when you say it like that, it sounds so simple. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> All this other stuff gets in the way of that. It's exactly. Just... Yeah, that's yeah. it. Yeah. Mm. Um, conscious, and this is something else I've been really sort of studying as well, is, is brain waves and, and uh, how they affect us in everyday life and, and yeah. why is it that when we're about to fall asleep is when the songs come to us. And yeah. And, yeah. and I think from what the, the minimal, minimal amount of research that I've done, I think your brain waves have a lot to do with it. Mm. Um, when you're in theta state is when yeah. you're the most relaxed. Yeah. yeah. Obviously that when you're relaxed is when the ideas and the creativity come to yeah. you. I find um, um, like over the years, like like you say, when you're about to fall asleep, but also when you're in that meditative state where you're not thinking about anything in particular, I know how many times over the years, like I did a lot of yoga and I'd get up from Shavasana and I'd be like, oh, I've got the best idea. <laughs> like it just literally. Yeah. And I think, I don't know if it was Einstein that started, was the first person to talk about this theta state in your brain, the way that your brain is. And you just. Oh, Okay. I can't remember. That just rang a bell. As soon as you said it, I thought, oh, yeah, you're going to talk about the theta state. Mm, and for mm. some reason I've got Einstein in my head. But, yeah, it's like you literally change your brain. <laughs> it's oh. just, I don't know, because that's the thing I've always, I always find so fascinating is how you can literally just get stuff in your head. Like yeah. it just comes in and it and it doesn't just come in like one thing. It comes in like an entire tune and all the words. And you're like, where the I hell know. did this come from? Exactly, it right? Yeah, it does, doesn't <laughs> it? So when, when I, I'll, so for my single that I released last year and people say, oh, so what was the process, blah, blah, blah. And when you, when I tell people, it sounds so simple. Yeah. Um, it's like, oh, yeah, it came to me in 10 minutes. And yeah. that frustrates the living daylights out of me because that's not songwriting. That's not what happens usually when you when you write a song or create. It, it doesn't yeah. always happen to you in 10 minutes. But yeah. Yeah. it's yeah. funny how, um, yeah, you could just be doing like the simplest of tasks, like sweeping the floor or mm -hmm. vacuuming or whatever. Yeah. And, and I find actually hanging out washing. Yeah, I get lots right. of ideas when I'm hanging out the washing. Yeah, yeah, it's like those simple repetitive moves that your body just does, like that muscle memory. Yes, and then yes. your brain's—it's like an, uh, a walking meditation, basically. Like yeah, you're awake 100%. and you're moving, but your brain is in that other state because it, yeah. you know it, you sort of switched off from that. Yeah, you know the consciousness. The yeah, mm, I um, yeah. I wrote a song about what it's what it's like to write a song. Um, oh, cool! <laughs> I called it "Music in My Head" because it's literally like. Like it just, it just comes to you. Like, I think there was something in there, like um, I could be walking or in the shower or, you know, wherever. And it, like, it just comes to me. Like it, it's just, yeah. I find it amazing. It's the yeah. weirdest thing. It is, yeah. isn't it? And it is just because we're relaxed. Yeah. When we try too hard, mm -hmm. it's like we're just blocking ourselves and you feel it internally as well. Don't you? You yeah. feel like your stomach's just, and your heart space is just gone. <laughs> Yeah, And it's yeah. not open to receiving anything. I was watching an interview very quickly on a reel yesterday, actually, of uh, Jack White. And oh, yeah. he was saying about um, uh, as creatives, we are, or songwriters, we are antennas only. And Michael Jackson said something about the fact that when we're creating, we have to let God in the room. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I'm not religious, but I'm yeah. very spiritual. And I get that. I get that we have to just, 
let the energy come to us or yeah mm. you can't force it can't control yes you can't as soon as you start to force stuff it's like you're literally banging against that yeah That's, it's like you like you said you close off yep. well, that that vessel is is not open yep. yeah it's amazing I love it, it is. I, know. <laughs> I know I do too I I um I over COVID I remember giving myself a challenge to write a song in twenty four hours. I was sort of all about the challenges at the time and because and, yeah, yeah. it was it was making me accountable and it was helping me manage my time. And I I already had a bit of the chorus anyway, but I didn't know what to put around it. So I thought, mm -hmm. right, I'm gonna write a song in twenty four hours. Yeah. And the next day happened and I was just like, Oh my god, I've got to write a second verse. It was that dreaded second verse syndrome. What am I going to do? <laughs> I don't know what to do. Yeah. And I was putting so much pressure on myself and eventually I just thought, right, I'm going to go for a walk. Mm -hmm. Actually, no, I'm going to go for a run. And yep. I went for a run and I came back and bam, there was my second verse. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That's so awesome. <laughs> I did something one, one time I was writing, <clears throat> pardon me, I, I just went for a walk and I don't usually take my phone with me like I leave at home because I like to not be yeah. distracted and Same. I don't like to listen to music when I'm walking I like to just appreciate oh. the world and hear the birds and you know whatever Absolutely. um yeah and I literally wrote this song and I was like oh damn I don't have anything to write it down on oh no <laughs> that's so frustrating so I was like repeating it repeating it repeating it repeating it. and I got yeah. in the house I was like don't talk to me don't talk to me and I quickly got out my phone <laughs> Oh, I can oh. relate. I can. That's a hard relate there. <laughs> oh man, yeah. It's. Uh, I, I was talking to someone else on this podcast, <clears throat> Katie Callahan, actually, who's the singer songwriter in in the United States, and we were yep. saying how she has her phone, and like, <clears throat> sorry, um, like in the middle, of, not the middle of the night, but that moment where you you're about to fall asleep, and you get stuff, and you're like, mm. oh, I have to record that. I have to get that Absolutely. down. And like, she'd have her phone. And she'd like be hiding in the bathroom, something going, like trying to see something. And then you listen back to it and you're like, what the hell is that? I don't even understand myself. I've got so many little notes on my phone of just random, random. Or I'll whistle it. I'll try and whistle it really quietly. It's like you can hear the blowing into the microphone. Oh, God. Oh, absolutely. Oh, gosh, yeah, I do the same thing. I'm like, I always race down to the lounge room and, yeah, it's exactly the same thing. Yeah. And then, as you said, yeah, the next morning you're like, yeah. what was that? But that feeling when you finally get it down and then you can relax is like oh, the yeah. best feeling in the world. It's like really? I don't have to keep this in my head anymore. <laughs> exactly. I know. Um, oh, yeah, absolutely. I guess it's yeah. that that age-old thing where, like, the tighter you grip onto something, the easier it is for it to slip out, out of your fingers. So Yeah, that's like, it, isn't it? I don't want it to leave me. Yeah. I get like that sometimes. I had one the other day where I literally had a song in a dream. I was singing this song in my dream. But do you think I could get it back? No oh, way. Oh, that's no. so frustrating, isn't yeah. it? Oh, and I'm sure yeah. it was a really, really good song too. <laughs> You wonder whether the cage that's round your mind Has imprisoned your heart and soul Locked inside there's a voice that's paradise Trying to break the mold Are you ready to go? 
And then you hear stories of like Paul McCartney dreaming oh, yes. about yesterday. And it's like, yeah. how do you do that? I know. that. That's, yeah, he's pretty special. I think he's awesome. Mm. I'm a big Beatles fan. But Paul's my favourite. I am too. <laughs> oh, is he? See, I was listening to your, I was listening to the episode with Georgia Fields the other day oh, yeah, and, and yeah. I heard the conversation between the two of you and yeah. and uh, and I thought to myself, hmm, I think John's always been my favourite. Yeah. Even though I know sort of um, there are things that may be called into question at, uh, like now. But yes, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think that he was very um I liked his the fact that he was quite controversial mm, yes with everything yeah he was very clear on the statement that he wanted to make yeah yeah he really pushed those boundaries didn't he mm, like, yeah yeah and just did not give a shit yeah what yeah. anyone else thought yeah. at all but yeah um but then looking at at just the talent of Paul and and watching mm. that that um, uh, get oh, back yeah yeah that wasn't that amazing and, <laughs> oh incredible and you know you you knew that obviously that they were kind of like the perceived powerhouse of the the writing side of things but just to watch Paul direct everybody <laughs> and it's almost like if he wasn't there. Yeah, they would just kind of be floating around, and and oh. he was the focus. He was the yeah. one that was able to go right. Come on, lads, let's. Oh, I tell you what, when I watched that, I watched it, and I just sat there thinking, how the hell did these blokes ever get anything done? Because the oh. amount of stuffing around that they did, I just, I said to my husband, it's a miracle we've ever got any Beatles records because I these know. blokes just fart us to I know, right? Oh my God, exactly. they drove me nuts. Sometimes I thought. Like you guys, like, and watching it, like, you know, I'd never yeah. seen footage like that, that extended footage, you know, just, no. everything, you know, not just cut yeah. out the nice bits or the productive bits, but just everything. It was like, yeah. holy moly. Mm. Like, I don't know. It just, it really, I, I just thought, wow, you guys. Yeah. It's a freaking, and then you've got Ringo sitting there on the drums, virtually stoned out of his brain every day, just sitting there like, are we doing something now? Like, I know. That's exactly oh, my god they're amazing but yeah I, yeah I think too like when I was younger uh, before you know as you know you sort of think as you grow up you get more mature and you can understand people more and you have more perspective yeah. whatever I was always really cross at Yoko but the older I got I just thought it was inevitable that they were going to part ways like I agree. honestly it was a miracle they did as much as they did together because yeah they were so opposite like yeah the more that John basically enlightened himself yes. and the more that he was able to explore that, there's no way he could have stayed with Paul. No. You no. know, it just made no. sense. And it I really think, did. Yeah. yeah. So I and don't I hold think... any grudges anymore. Oh, absolutely. No, no. <laughs> if you're exactly. listening, Yoko. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I don't know. No, I 100% agree. Um, and I think that just, can't, as you said, it comes with maturity and your mm. own experiences as well and understanding, mm. oh, hang on a second, we we aren't always the same person as we go through life. Yeah. And there are some yep. people that we will remain in our lives but potentially will remain in our lives in a different way or, mm -hmm. um, yeah, so, yeah, you do understand exactly what happened there. Mm. And it, it was, was literally like 
yeah like a couple that grew apart you know yeah. like yeah. that that was it but it did freak yeah. me out a bit how she was just sitting right there when they were playing though I sort of felt that was a yes. bit I sort of and she like... was really sort of putting her two cents worth in from time to time too, yeah. wasn't she? That Which would have I thought was quite them. intrusive. Yeah, I I didn't like. Whereas it. you I had Linda Eastman. Yeah, same. Yeah, you had Linda Eastman come in. Yeah, and she was the polar opposite. She yeah. was just sort of like this breath of fresh air that was just quite happy just to sort of sit there and have a chat and understand that it was Paul's Yeah, thing the space. And... Yeah, I think it's yeah. like she she's a creative, you know, with that photography side of things too. I think she got that boundaries perhaps yeah um yes yeah, I don't know but true. I mean saying that Yoko is quite creative herself I don't know maybe it was a mm. cultural thing I don't know now I'm Possibly. just you know making judgments about people that I have no idea <laughs> exactly. anyway Back on track no I do have to ask what's your favorite Beatles album I think it's Abbey Road yeah right yep um it was probably the first exposure that I had to the Beatles Mm-hmm. When I was young, mum, mum, my mum had the album, and I used to love listening to Octopus's Garden. Loved <laughs> yeah, love, 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 loved it as a kid. Yeah. Um, but as I got older, um, when I was a teenager, I really got into them as well, and mm-hmm. I, I just, I did like the fact that it was very two distinctive writing styles. Yeah. It was very much John's side and Paul's side, and yeah. and. My favourite part, actually, in the whole album is um, uh, Maxwell's Silver Hammer. I'm so glad you said that. That is my (laughs) favourite. Because we actually used to sing some of the Beatles songs to the boys. So we'd always sing um, Bang Bang Maxwell's Silver Hammer or Max's Silver Hammer. We would sing to Zach, get Zach, get Zach. (laughs) So it made me actually sing, it made me listen to Maxwell's Silver Hammer quite intensely at, at a Point in time and there's this little moment I think it's in the third second or the third verse yeah. Paul's singing it and you actually hear him laugh yes yep have you yep. heard that yep I know the video and you can just imagine yeah what the, the hell's three, going the on three in here yeah. clowning around yeah. in the control room trying yeah. to make him laugh yeah oh yes like I know it, it's funny Paul does that every now and then. There's a few other songs. It sounds like he's laughing too. And I just think yes. now that I've seen that whole, you know, the whole thing, I think, oh my God, what were they doing? Like seriously. Absolutely. Someone's prancing yeah. around with their silver hammer being silly with yeah. the anvil. Like, I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, no, I but love that. But that album just has that. some of my favourite Beatles songs on yeah. there. Like yeah. come together, something. Oh, oh yes. I just, I love something. Yep. And I know that was George Harrison. Um and the very end of, oh. of the whole album with yeah. that medley. Um yeah. Yeah. Uh, I get numbers. goosebumps when I hear that. Like that just, I know I'm getting goosebumps now. Yeah, it's just that 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 and that last that last little line like the love you the love you make is equal to yes. the love you take. It was like yes. oh my God it's so perfect. Makes me want to cry. Yeah it does. And I love those last few mm. harmony like the last few chords. Yes. Like, oh, I don't oh, know. It just gets yeah, me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Just genius. Genius. Yeah. Oh, man. And I, I think, could go on all that all day. <laughs> oh, same. Oh, absolutely. And I wanted to, I, I knew I wanted to write a song that was something that could be like the very last song in a concert or the mm-hmm. the closer of an album, like just that song that just made you want to go wow yeah yeah 
that that big finish, that big finale. Yes. It's like captured in that moment. Yeah. 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 Have you done that? Have you written a song like that that you feel like you've got? I felt like I felt like my single last year was a bit like that. That yeah. was what I wanted to try and achieve with that. Even though it was my debut single, I just thought let's make it huge. <laughs> yeah. What was that song called? Was that Ghost? Yeah, I thought mm. it was Ghost. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Good on you. Um, yeah. So I, I, it was a co-produce with um, another producer. I sort of, I wrote it and just produced the demo and, and the producer that I hired basically just tightened it up and, and just put on some better drums and some mm. actual organic bass and guitar. And that was it really. The rest of it was, was all me. So. Yeah, right. So do you do it on, you play the instruments or is it you do it on the computer or how do you, how do you create the? Uh, yeah. So I will start on the piano. I'm not, um, I'm a bit of a hack when it comes to playing the piano. I'm not that confident with yeah. it. So I do find um, having the access to my um, DAW to be really um, being able to talk for language, like to be able to enunciate and articulate exactly, well, not exactly because I'm still learning how to use it, but um, yeah. it, I find it a lot easier to, to express what I want to actually write with with my songs through the through the studio and have mm. access to the layer after layer and track after track rather yeah. than just yeah. relying on the piano. Yeah. Um, yeah. But when I'm when I'm gigging and when I'm doing open mic nights, it is just me and my piano. So I do mm. have to. I do um write I I will actually compose a song a piano part on the song that I know that I'll be able to play while I'm singing rather than yeah. it just being sort of the chords yeah 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 and yeah, me singing over the top but it's certainly something that I don't naturally feel comfortable and confident it's taken a lot of work and I'm still working with that I mean I actually bought a um a headset um, oh yes, I saw I that find... on, your, on your Instagram. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. I just find it's so stressful when I'm playing the piano and singing in public to not only see where my hands are on the keys, but mm. to to remember where the microphone is and being totally conscious of where that is and if mm-hmm. it's sort of starting to slip down or oh I've got it in the wrong position but I can't yeah. move it so I'm kind of playing and singing and then I'm making mistakes and and I just find it just too difficult yeah. so I thought get a headset doesn't yeah. matter what it looks take, like get take, a headset take and then that you can whole just... stress out of it and oh you can just exactly relax. yeah yeah because it. yep. it's yep. quite a spatial so... thing too like knowing how far away you are from a mic like how many times I've yeah. bloody hit a mic with my teeth or because mm. I've forgot like I've just lost track of where it is and you know and that's not even yeah. playing as well that's not accompanying myself that's just me yeah right yeah yeah <laughs> you know, sometimes yeah. you get into it a bit you turn back around and go oh whoops the mic's right oh there it is yeah <laughs> exactly <laughs>
Every morning when I wake up, I keep my eyes closed as I'm picturing my day. Oh, toss the covers off my body. And my two feet touch the floor. And so I want to ask you about the real songwriters of Melbourne that you've been doing some stuff with. Tell me about that. I have. Oh, Real Songwriters of Melbourne has been a lifeline. Yeah. Um, I first got exposed to them through COVID on Instagram, as I think a lot of people did. Mm-hmm. They've been going now for nine years. They're about to celebrate their ninth birthday. Yep. Yeah. Um, but uh, Jenna, who um, started it um, and is the CEO, I guess you could say CEO, um, she, it, it, for her it probably didn't take off until COVID either because we were all looking for something outside of ourselves that mm. as creatives helped us to feel like we weren't alone. And, I mean, I was in a very fortunate position where I hadn't lost any money. I knew lots of, I got to know lots of people who lost, so much work Um, and it started out as for me as being a way that I could meet other creatives because I had no I knew no one yeah yeah Um, I had other mums around but they weren't singer-songwriters or anything like that So it was lovely to be able to start to network online and I guess because of of, um, the confidence that I have in myself now, just I guess through getting older, I found it very easy to make myself stand out but not in a bad way and not Mm -hmm. to tread on other people's toes but just being friendly and being um supportive of other people and wanting to get to know other people and wanting to get to know other people's stories and yeah, realizing yeah. that hey I've got a story to tell too and I think I could actually I think a lot of people could who are younger than me could benefit from listening to my story mm-hmm. um and they are amazing at being able to point you in the right direction to releasing a song or finding inf- finding information for you about the industry, the networking nights that they put on. Mm-hmm. They always have a speaker um, and they've had people from publishing companies, they've had people from APRA AMCOS, they've had people from Music Victoria, mm-hmm. just yeah, all, these, so, yeah. all these amazing people speaking that you would not even know where to start looking if, yeah. or, or you wouldn't have that personal contact with them, yep. even if through an email or, or sending a bunch of emails or getting on DMs or whatever. It, they're yeah. just... And sometimes you don't even know these people exist or what they do, what their role is in the music industry because it's so complicated and there's so many different different people that do different things. And that's, yeah, like that's the thing I find a bit frustrating. Like there's no straight line of how you do stuff. Like whenever, like I discovered all this stuff by accident, um, like just by, you know, like you register yourself with 
APRA AMCOS, then you can get paid when you perform. Didn't know that before, you know, and put it on the air stuff on the the radio so the community radio hears you, like, can get access to you. And so now if Mm. I ever come across anyone who's releasing something who, like, I just tell them all this stuff. I'm like, I don't know if you know this or not, but do this and do this and get this number and do that. And, you know, like, it's just. Absolutely. Because there's no way you can go that just says this is how you do it. (laughs) Yep. No, that's right. And that's something that I have found with the real songwriters. They are that. That's their, yeah. yeah. That's their role. And they have um, release academies where people can just basically be given that timeline Mm -hmm. of what to do from the moment you start recording or even like finding a producer or finding somebody to uh, collaborate with and right down to promotion and and um yep. release dates and just everything. Yeah. yeah so we've been, we're really fortunate here in Melbourne and even regional Victoria as well that there is that access to mm. all the information that you need particularly as an emerging songwriter who is doing it on their own yeah yeah I've learnt that everybody has a place at the table mm. um that It's all about collaboration, not competition, like it used to be. Um, And that's been really reassuring for me. You're listening to The Art of Being a Mum with my mum, Alison Newman. I and I'm going to say this in a nice way because I'm a similar age to you. But do you feel like at some point people think you're irrelevant in music because of your age? No, because I don't let them. Yeah, good on you. <laughs> I don't let them <laughs> at all. Um, um, I refuse to believe that I'm irrelevant. Um, I refuse to sit back now and go, nope, I'm too old. And mm. I think actually that it works in my favour yeah. because I do feel very strongly about the fact that as a woman and as a mother, um, we aren't irrelevant. We still have so much to say and mm. we probably have more to say because we have lived more. Yeah. And I think it's our responsibility as older women to forge the path for younger women. Something that I've learned a lot just in conversations that I've had with lots of other younger female songwriters. And I mean it only I only had a conversation just really recently um at a performance that I did for real songwriters and uh, it was one of the other artists that we sat down and unfortunately the conversation was interrupted but she was asking me how old I was, how many children do I have, how old was I when I first started having children. Yeah. And she said to me, she said, it's just inspirational to listen to somebody who um, is, isn't, who, who has had children later on in life. I mean, I was 35 when I had Max and she yeah. said that she had just broken up with her boyfriend. She was 29 um, and there was a part of her that sort of wanted to go back to him because she felt like she was going to miss out on that whole 
having a child experience and I've had lots of conversations with lots of girls who have gone my I'm seeing my friends getting married and having babies and I'm feeling like I'm missing out and it's just like follow your heart Mm -hmm. I'm here to tell you it doesn't matter there is no linear timeline as to how you do things Mm -hmm. if you want to keep creating everything will just fall into place yeah yeah so I yeah, and that's that's been a, a big thing for me now is to just be that advocate to go, hey, I started doing this seriously when I was 44. Yeah. So it's never too late. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah. No, good on you. That's yeah. such a great I read, I, And I it. guess too maybe, <laughs> oh, thank you. I think probably I haven't. I haven't been um I haven't been in this side of the music industry long enough to see things occur with attitudes of I guess the patriarchy mm-hmm. um having an attitude that you're done by the time you're 21 and if you haven't made it by the time you're 25 then you're no one and and I haven't been exposed to that side of things so mm. I'm lucky that I can remain optimistic Whereas I think there's lots of other female artists who have been in the music industry who have seen a lot more than I have mm. um, and potentially find it a lot more difficult to um, to keep going. Mm. Yeah. It's interesting. I've, I've just started working with, um, I mean, I knew that the music industry was literally, a, it's a business, right? the commercial radio, the signing record labels, whatever. And just for this album that I'm releasing, I've just started working with a proper rep that I've, I've never done. I've never forked out before because I want this. I mean, this is what I say every time. I don't know if this will be the last album I get to make, you know, so I want to do it properly, I guess. Yep. And, um, yep. and so, and it's amazing when you, they, they sent me this, this, like a, you know, like you have a family tree with all the bits going everywhere. It was like, yep that of the music industry. And it's like, if you can stay away from all that other bullshit and be independent, you've got so much more chance of remaining true to yourself, not having to deal with all the, the, the white men that make all the decisions for you, yeah. making really great connections with people in community radio and, and getting your music to the people who will genuinely be connected to it and be, yes. you know, be influ- not influenced by it, but affected by it and feel something by it. And it's like, why the hell would anyone ever want to sign their life away, you know, to these big, big businesses? Like, it I makes agree. no sense. Yeah. It doesn't make sense. And I was even saying, so Max is, has been learning to play guitar now for the last 18 months and he is yeah. insanely good. Yeah, right. Um, I mean, I know everyone says it about their kids. Um, no, but as a musician, you, you sort of know whether they are or not. Don't you? Yeah, you that's it, exactly. Honest, yeah. And <laughs> yeah, and and just seeing the passion that he has for it. And yep. he's still, because he's still so new at it, in, in his little mind, he he's thinking it's all about sort of like getting the record company and signing the contract and, and mm-hmm. that's what it is. Um, and... I can't remember what we were watching, but we had a conversation very quickly about the music industry and um, and the and the business behind it. And and he was talking about like bands selling out and singles and blah blah blah. And I said, mm-hmm. look, this is what happens when you're signed 
to a record label, you actually don't get the voice. You don't get a voice. You don't get a choice as to what song you release. You are told and you are a product um, and you are dispensable and Mm. disposable. And as you said, it is, and I said, it's a business. That's why it is called business. Mm. Nothing to do with the music. It's just they're a That's... product. If the music is is the the thing that you're selling, like mm. if you sold mm. shoes mm. or something, you know. And that's yeah. why I hated shows like Australian Idol and that. It's like you're literally oh, trying to find started. someone who's going to make money for you, you yep. know. And I, over the years, like my sister and I both sing, and people say, "Oh, you guys should go on Australian Idol." Oh. It's like I was so firmly against it because I just was so cynical of that world, with good reason. That yeah. you know they're going to take you, they're going to turn you into something else that they want, that's going to make more money, that's more marketable, or you know. And I just go, "No, I, that that's not for me. I don't want." And I, and also, I don't think, I don't know. I just want to be who I am, and that sounds like I'm. It's a cop out, like. I don't know. No, but not I at just, all. Not at all. I don't because... want to tour. I don't want to go wear some clothes that I don't that don't suit me or change my hair. Like I just want to be who I am. That's it. <laughs> and I think you're happier that way too. Yeah. Aren't you far Absolutely. happier being like that? Oh, I I hate those shows with an mm-hmm. absolute passion. Yeah. Um, and anyone who knows me knows how I don't like to rant I used to when I was younger but I don't (laughs) like to rant anymore um but if you really let me go (laughs) I'd be like right (laughs) let me tell you um but I guess to the general population who Mm. don't have the kind of access that we have I mean we're in a really privileged fortunate position where we have first-hand experience in mm. what it is I mean to someone for someone to think about like standing in a recording studio is just so beyond the realms of fantasy for most people whereas yeah. for people like you and I it's nothing to go yeah. oh yeah I'm just going into the studio on Tuesday yeah, <laughs> yeah like literally like yeah oh yeah it's funny and but th- that's the thing once you know it freaks you out because you know that, you know, when I realised how songs got onto commercial radio, I was like that they're paid, like it's to do with the deals that they make with the record companies to play this song. Like, yeah. and I was like, there's no way I'm ever going to hear my music on that. And it's like, no. well, that's great. So I'll forget about that and I'll just, you yeah. know, focus on the things that that I can do. And it's like, yeah, when n- not everyone wouldn't know that. You know, like no, absolutely not. Particularly, yeah. I think when you're younger as well, and and you do just have that um, that idea of that's what it is, and and mm. you're famous. Like I remember teaching singing for a little while back in the late nineties, early two thousands, yeah. and and I remember a couple of students. Sort of, Britney Spears was massive at the time, and I'm showing my age, and um, <laughs> <laughs> and I remember a lot of them sort of saying, oh, "I want a record contract," and yeah. and. and saying you know what it's not about having the record contract and then everything falling in your lap and just explaining Mm -hmm. to them as best I could before they just sort of saw it as being white noise what it actually entails and and um it's someone literally giving you a loan that you yes you have to pay back yes and if you don't pay it back through record sales and touring then you you are, you're still owing money. No mm. thanks. Yeah. 
So yeah, yeah it, it is. It's just it's that's what people are exposed to when they're young. They're watching Australian Idol and things like that on TV mm. with their family, and they're thinking, "Oh, this is what it is to this is this is the way to become famous, and this is the way to to, to be a millionaire." And yeah, um, it's, it's easy. Easy yeah, <laughs> exactly. And I think what sort of makes me really annoyed about those those sorts of programs too is when they um, they lock on to say an older person mm-hmm. who says, "This is my last chance." No. It's like, no, it's, it's not. Yeah, it's all for bloody television. Exactly. Yeah, that's yeah. it. So, oh yeah. god. The less said about those shows, the better. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> as, far as I'm concerned. Yeah, and and uh, look, I could. No, I'll I'll stop now. <laughs> <laughs> if I start, I won't stop again. I know. Same. Oh, That's the thing. Yeah. I know. Actually, just just to quickly. Yeah. One more point. I I do remember going on to uh, the application form of The Voice just to see what it was about because I yeah. I I remember googling about what the actual contractual obligations are of the contestants. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, and I went onto the onto the application form, and there is actually a bit on the application form that asks, "Who would you dedicate this performance to?" So they're oh. fishing, yeah, for the story, yeah, yeah, they're because fishing that's it, for that isn't it? Yeah. story, yeah. Um, and I thought there it is. That's what they want. They mm. want that sob story. Yeah. It's all a load of bullshit, Sarah. Absolutely. Changing tack slightly, I want to talk to you about yeah. something I like to talk to people about, the value of their art or their creativity. And you mentioned before that you, your music is a hobby. Um, how do you, because you don't necessarily earn, you know, a massive income from your music, does that in your mind diminish at all the value of it overall? No, not at all. Yeah, I think because I'm still learning how to do it, with the object in mind that this is how I do want to earn money. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I'm still sort of walking up that ladder to get it to that point and to know that it's okay to want to earn money from it. Mm. Um, yeah. But that it, it is, it, it's, I think also too, when you have that in the back of your mind, sometimes that puts a bit of pressure on. I know it puts pressure on me. Mm. So I'm quite happy to um, know that my art still has value because I'm still putting out, putting it out into the world. Mm. And it's something that comes uniquely from me. Um, And it's wonderful if people hear it and relate to it even if it's just one person mm. um uh so no I don't think it does diminish it at all and I part of the reason why I wanted to start creating and learning how to access that part of myself was to show my children that it doesn't matter how old you are you 
are always learning and you can always learn a new skill. Mm. Um, and we are never taught at school the process of learning at all. Mm. We're just expected to sit down and absorb information where it's not linear. It's not like once you've cracked something, oh, I can do this now and you keep doing it. No, Mm. it's always two steps forward, one step back. There's always frustrations. There's always that feeling of, oh, I did this yesterday. Why can't I do it today? That that feeling. So I think that in and of itself is art. Mm, Yeah. That learning process. Mm. Um, So it's all valuable. Yeah. In any form. Mm, Whether you're earning money from it or not. (laughs) Yes, that's I knew you were gonna say that. I sort of (laughs) I've got to work out a way of wording that question so it's not so walking you into it, you know what I mean? Yeah, no, that's fine. Because no one's ever said, (laughs) Oh yeah, no, my art's crap because I don't earn money from Uh, (laughs) Yeah. And also too, I see um I've got a cousin um who uh is a singer as well but she is a completely different style to me um and we really sadly don't have a lot to do with each other um which is quite sad but at the same time she still is in the old music industry mindset of of competition and I think that's potentially why we don't ever really get on Mm -hmm. um or she sees me as as uh, a threat or I don't know but Mm. I kind of feel like she's feeling like that we're in competition um and I see how much stress and pressure she has placed on on herself in the past with making albums and I think the last album that she made um one of the songs that she did actually um got a nomination for best song for the golden guitars up in Tamworth I think back in 2013 yeah um but she had placed so much pressure on on herself that if this album didn't do any good, she wasn't going to do it anymore. No, and I think yeah. that's really really sad. Yeah, that she yeah. was just it, it it for me that's not art. No, that's that's running a business, that's, isn't it? It's like yeah, this is our last chance, yeah, and we're going to exactly. fold. You know, like <laughs> I don't know. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I mean, I think now she is actually a, a surgical nurse um, and I think like any creative, you put it on the shelf, you put it to bed for a number of years and it, mm. you kind of go, oh, no, that, I don't want to, I'm not ready to do that yet. It kind of hurt me a little bit. Mm. Um, but I think now she's at that point where she's she's wanting to start to get back into it. I know she is actually singing in cover bands up in Tamworth. Now, yeah, right. so she is getting back into that side of things, yes. but I think she's actually really, from what I hear, she's actually really keen to get back into writing again. But mm. yeah, just I, I, I think it's really sad when we place pressure on ourselves that yes, we have to make money and this has mm. to do really, really well. And yeah, no, yeah. not that's not for me. No. I think that 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 whole thing it just takes away that ability to like we we're talking before about being in those states or being in those you know, mindsets to be creative. It just shuts mm. all that down. And yeah, exactly. It just doesn't exactly. doesn't work. That's yeah. it. I mean, it's it's got to be fun. Yeah, absolutely. It? Gotcha. It has to be fun. Yeah. It can't be stressful. No. I don't want it to be stressful. No. 
That's the thing. What's and the like, point? that's the thing, like you've got enough stress in your life with your you know, families and kids and jobs and whatever else. And the thing that you do for fun, you want it to be fun. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So you mentioned your your boys there, how you're sort of showing them, you know, different things. Do you feel like it's good for them to see you as not just mum? And I I, I always say that just mum, because you're not just mum, because we're never just mum, but that you do things outside of your mothering role, I guess. Absolutely. Yeah. It took them a long time to understand. Um, They would see me go to choir. Yeah. And every every Monday night and it would be sort of quickly shoveling dinner down my throat and then off I went. And for a long time it would be like, why are you leaving? Why are you going? And mm-hmm. um, they just didn't understand that. And I distinctly remember one day doing something, writing something and and Max coming out, I don't even know how old he was, he probably was about seven or eight, coming into me and just going, Mum, you shouldn't be making music, you should be making my lunch. <laughs> No worries, Max. <laughs> oh, God. So I think it's very important for them to see that I have other interests outside of being a mum. And I know lots of mums will agree when, when you say that um, it makes you a better mum mm. because you're happy. Yeah. Um, and it will. there will come a time when they will understand. I mean, they understand now fully, but, yeah, when they were when they were little, um, they didn't obviously, but I, I know after releasing my single last year that they are, are all very proud of me, even Mm -hmm. though Max probably wouldn't admit it, but, um, (laughs) one, one of the twins, Zach was always, he's always telling people at school that I sing and he's always showing what I do on, he's showing Spotify and yeah. <laughs> showing all his friends and um, everything that I'm doing. And, and I, I helped out at a, a cross-country thing for, for one of the twins' classes a few weeks ago and a little girl came up to me and she's just like, you're on the internet. <laughs> I've seen you. Oh, I love it. Oh, um, I love that. So, yeah, I think... They need to to see that I am doing something that I really enjoy, mm. and it makes it's it's makes me happy. It's part of yeah. who I am. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah so it. it is very important that yeah. they see that I'm, and particularly too because I don't work. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's even more important for them that they see that. I am mum, but I am also me as well. And I have an identity because you know what it's like when you, when, when you first got children, you're known as Max's mum. And it's like, I do have a name. (laughs) Yeah. I was going to say that earlier, actually, when you were talking about the twins, when you get stopped in the street, like I I recall, you know, people see you and they'd straight away just 
latch onto the baby and it's like, um, I'm actually here, you know, hi, I'm the one that does these things. Like I'm the one that's keeping them alive, but you know, don't worry about me. And that would be even more with with the three of them. You'd feel like, bloody hell. (laughs) Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. You are, you, you do just kind of become this soulless figure, don't you? When, Mm. when you first become a mother and that's really, I think it's really, really difficult to reconcile with mm. because it happens so suddenly. Everyone yes. else's life, I remember being pregnant with Max and um, I, I, sitting in the lounge room one night just in tears because I just thought I'm the first one in my friendship group to have a baby. I hadn't met my mum's group at this point in time. Um, and everyone else's life will go on as normal. Mm. Um, even to a certain extent, my husband, yeah. he still gets to go to work and come mm. home. Whereas my whole life in the blink of an eye yeah. is going to change. Um, and I think that that was a really, really difficult realization for me. And I remember actually feeling very angry and very upset about that for a little while mm. and just feeling this is not fair. Yeah. Um, yeah. But you get over it, don't you? When you're holding that little baby in your arms. You're like, oh, yeah, we're fine now. <laughs> well, not really, but. Uh, I know what you mean. Yes. It all evens yeah. itself out in the end eventually, I think. It does. And I think through, the, through the help of, you know, continuing your creativity, just to remind yourself that you still have these skills and abilities and gifts mm. it's like they don't just disappear suddenly when the baby pops out like no <laughs> no exactly. Of all this stuff. <laughs> exactly absolutely um I was even um I've been doing some some tuition with uh with a producer over in the UK mm-hmm. Aubrey Whitfield and she is just about to have her first child uh in June yeah. and she is a, an incredibly busy uh, producer and she cannot get over the attitude towards her with some people in terms of if she for example isn't able to um, get a song to an artist on time because she's been tired or she's had morning sickness and it's mm-hmm. amazing just how unforgiving yeah. some people are like it's yeah, yeah we know we're not sick but you do just have to cut pregnant women a little bit of slack. Yeah, um, that's it, isn't it? And even when I was really heavily pregnant with the twins, I got onto the tube and the, the train and uh, I had a little like baby on board badge and I was mm-hmm. quite big at this point in time and there was a man sitting in the um, uh, that special seat mm-hmm. um, and he was surrounded by bags and I looked at him and I said, excuse me, could I please sit down? And he looked at me and he was French just mm. from the accent. And there you he was go. just like, but I have all these bags. And I was like, mate, <laughs> baby bags. Trump's bags, get off. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, but that's it, isn't it? Like, like oh, I was saying like this to someone else the other day, like we're literally continuing the human race, you know, without us. <laughs> Having children, birthing children, the world would end. But no, yeah. you can't sit down because my bags are on the floor. You know, like <laughs> I, that's it. I know, and I know that there are some people, some women that potentially do come across as being entitled. 
because they are mothers and they have birthed children and they feel entitled for the world to, to for them to part the seas and, and yeah. the world to revolve around them. I do get that. But at the same time, yeah, it's just like I'm growing a person in me. Like, I know on. it's my choice, but still. Yeah, I, don't, I just don't get that. Like that shift no. that can happen. Like you lose sight of the, of those the amazingness of the whole thing. I don't know. You do, don't yeah. you? It's really yeah. sad to think that we're just not supported. Yeah. As yeah. We should be. Yes. Um, and I think it's again, it's a it's a a, patri- a patriarchy thing, I mm-hmm. suppose, where yeah. we this is what we are meant to do. So yeah, why do we feel do like we should be needing like preferential treatment and yeah. Um, yeah. I think that's where it stems from. Yeah, I think so too. I think there's a lot, lot going on there. But I'll stop myself because yes. if I start, I'll, I'll <laughs> I go. Know. I'll go on. you if you've had sort of any any experience with mum guilt in over the years when it comes to your music um it's funny because I've been thinking about this a lot Mm. um maybe from time to time in the early days yeah I did because they were little and they were needing me and I didn't have the help around me where I I didn't have like a mum close by or a sister close by who I could just be like look can you take the kids for the day just so I can do this and mm. I'm fine yeah. um so I think in the early days I did particularly when I first started like doing choir for example and leaving them and and um thinking that yeah I feel guilty for leaving them Mm. but thankfully with the help of of my husband as well I was able to let that go quite quickly and understand that I need to do this Mm. and I'm not going to be a good mum if I'm going to put that guilt on myself um, because they the kids get over it, don't they? Like oh, they they might be yeah. like, "Oh, mum, where are you going? What are you doing?" But then two, two minutes later, later it's yeah. just like, "Oh, look at that!" It's like Dory yeah. from, <laughs> from yeah. 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 off to the next thing. Distraction. That's it. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, so I am. Yeah. I my eldest for quite a long time actually, and it wasn't just the music thing. It would be like if I put him to bed, and then I'd quickly pop off up to the shops because it was easier to do it on my own, obviously, because I didn't have to haul three kids out of the car. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it would just be ducking up to Kmart or something like that to do something. And and yeah. um, I would come home and Max had been in bed for an hour or more and he'd be waiting for me to get home. And then the moment I'd walk through the door, he'd come out of his bedroom and give me a hug and say to me, "Why? Do, where did you go? What? I didn't. Why are you leaving? That kind of thing." Yeah. And that happened a lot yeah. when he was little. 
And mm-hmm. I couldn't work out why. Like both my husband and I were like, why are you doing this? Like why? Mm-hmm. Mum's coming home. And I spoke to my grandmother about it and she said to me, she, she made a really good point. She said to me, maybe because he's always told that if he goes out on his own that he has to be careful and something might happen to him. Maybe he feels yeah. that something like that's going to happen to you. And I thought, oh, my goodness me, that yeah. could potentially be what it is. Yeah, it's right. That element of worry of yeah. this is a da- not a dangerous place because you don't want to tell your kids it's a dangerous yeah. place. But, yeah, yeah so it's like I'm not allowed on my own, out on my own. So mm. I don't want you. Yeah, which you, I just thought mm-hmm. that's a really valid point. And the moment I started to reframe it in that way, mm-hmm. I became a lot more empathetic to him. Yeah. Rather than getting frustrated with it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that there you go. Hmm. Um, at the moment, my seven-year-old is going through this age of reason where he discovers that he's a, I don't know, a sentient being and he's in control of his thoughts and also realises that people die and that one day oh. his parents will die and he oh. will die. And so oh, wow. we've had a lot of conversations at, of evenings, like, of course, at bedtime, you know, when, when there's nothing yeah. else oh, yeah. to do but think. Yeah. Um, it yes. all comes yes. out. So, yeah, he's had a shocking few nights. I've actually had to oh, be back in there with him, helping him to fall asleep, which I haven't done oh. for, God, you know, years and years and years and years. Yeah. And I said oh, to my husband, we have to be really kind to him and not tell him yes. off. And even though oh, it, no. we're frustrated that we're, you know, yes. can't get some time to ourselves. But, you know, that's it'll pass. But Yeah, and that's it, isn't it? And it's very easy to look at it from an adult perspective and yeah. think, why are you doing this for? Like, yeah. you're being yeah. really illogical and, and you're being silly. Like, it's, that's, yeah, yeah. But when you look at it from their point of view, it, and then I think that happens when you start to just be kind to them and, and understanding. Yeah. And yeah, it might feel irrational to us. Yeah. Yeah. That's adults, it. But <laughs> yeah. to them, it's a very real problem. <laughs> yeah. That's it. Oh, it breaks oh, your heart. As he, said, he said to me the other day, he just wanted to sit with me. So I just want to spend as much time as I can with you before oh. you die. <laughs> oh. I'm not dying oh. now, but oh, thank God. you. Oh, my poor child. And then I, I thought back to my, my eldest who's 15 and when he he went through it a lot younger, he was a, like everything he did was early. He talked early, like everything was early. And I remember thinking, God, you weren't like this at seven. He was like a lot earlier and um, right. he said a thing to me. He said, oh, when you die, I don't want them to put you in the ground. I'll, I'll go in the ground with you so I don't miss you. And I, I've always oh, remembered that. And I think, oh, wow. oh my God, that's how that's how he's rationalising losing, you know, people. Yeah, so, oh yeah, my yeah. God, it's big, isn't it? Like uh, Being a little person wow. and having that massive thing. So oh yeah, that just yeah. reminded me when you're talking about your little man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a real... Almost a, their version of an existential crisis. It, really. it literally is, isn't it? Yeah. All of a sudden, there's this whole extra thing happening, and you're aware of so many other things that you didn't really yes. get. Like you knew it was there, but you didn't yeah. understand the the magnitude of it, I suppose, and how it would affect you and your yes. your emotions related to it. Yeah, it's pretty yeah, profound. Exactly. It's wild. Yeah. I Tell you what, good times well, makes you think. It it does bring you back as an adult to to think about important things like that I think to to think I don't know you take that stuff for granted I guess and then mm. when someone little person says that you think oh Jesus yeah 
Because I guess it feels like such a long way away for them mm. to be dying. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think it's when you sort of start to think, oh, hang on a second, you see your grandparents pass away if you're lucky enough that, that you're an adult and you, you still have your grandparents. I mean, I'm lucky enough. I've still got one grandmother. She's oh. 91. And, oh, brilliant. And uh, um, I just think to myself once she goes then it's my parents Mm. and they're in their 70s now and and they are facing their mortality as well and and Mm. um my dad had a cancer scare last year and that's really changed him profoundly um, as well so um just kind of thinking wow like the last 20 years have gone really quickly mm. and if I'm lucky enough I still will have hopefully my parents in another 20 years but yeah. at the same time what is their health going to be like and it's just really sobering isn't it, it is, as you get it? older yeah. that it just it's yeah yeah it and and to be like my grandmother and think to yourself I wonder how much longer I have left mm. Yeah, I do that. Really quite macabre. No, we have, haven't we? We've gone down this path. But I think, <laughs> no. like, I do that and I think I have these, like, every, I don't know, few few years, I guess, you have this time where you just literally take stock and you like what you've just said there, like, mm-hmm. hmm, okay, so I'm 40, nearly 45. Am I halfway through or am I, you know, oh. three quarters of the way through? Like, will I get to see my children have children you know will I be a grandmother and you just think oh my god this is like life yeah (laughs) that's it it. exactly (laughs) yeah and it makes you and I I I think when I turned 40 I thought to myself I've tried not to sort of see the new decade Mm -hmm. as being this threatening thing yeah. Um, and I was fine leading up to my 40th birthday, but I remember when I did turn 40, all of a sudden it just hit me. Oh, who am I? Who? Mm. I, I'm not this sort of bouncy little kind of like blonde haired Jojo that everyone has known me. I don't yeah. identify with her anymore, but I don't know who I am now. And it, it very it, it was a real shock to the system to go whoa I think I'm actually not having a midlife crisis but mm. um I have actually hit the next chapter in my life like I am actually all grown up now <laughs> yeah yeah that's it, um, isn't it? <laughs> yeah <laughs> but yeah with that sense of maturity you you do start to think to yourself, right, well, I don't know how much longer I do actually have left, so I'm not going to have to grudges, and I'm here to have fun. Yeah, yeah, it's tremendously sort of weight-lifting, you know, if we just, yeah. Yeah, exactly. As they say, when you're staring death death in the face, that's when you need Yep. Um, yep. Have you got anything coming up that you'd like to share 
going to release an EP. <laughs> um, my goal for by the end of this year is to actually release some music, some more music, but I'll be doing it um, completely self-released in terms of uh, honing my own mixing and mastering skills and not yeah. getting any outside help with mm-hmm. that. That's exciting. Um, yeah, I'm really excited about it. And just to 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 have that catalogue of songs on Spotify, a friend of mine did some research really recently uh, and I can't remember what she was looking at, but it was basically saying that when people look at your Spotify profile, they actually want to see that there's more than one song. They want to see a catalogue of songs, mm-hmm. Yeah, um, which I don't have. So that's what I want to do. I want to just have that catalogue um, and just they don't have to be perfect yep. and I'm not going to promote them as heavily as what I did with my last single. Mm-hmm. To know that I have done it and I've gotten more music out there that I've shared properly um, and I will actually release another single where I will really promote it heavily like I did with my single last year. but mm-hmm. And I will actually get some outside help with that because mm-hmm. that particular song, I feel like I won't do it justice and, and i just doing it myself. Um, it's not quite how I want it and I my skill set at this point in time can't elevate it to the level that I want it to be at. So yeah, yeah. Um, I will do that hopefully by the end of the year as well. But um, it's... As we all know, it's just finding the time to fit that kind of stuff in in between, like running the kids to basketball and volunteering <laughs> at the school and <laughs> doing oh, all that yeah. kind of stuff as well, oh, as well as keeping the house running, yes. renovations in the house. So, oh, um, gosh. Yeah. yeah, so that's the goal. Um, oh, so stay tuned. Yes, that's exciting. No, it's, it, it, yeah. it, and I can appreciate that. It's quite daunting to take that next step and do stuff by yourself um, and yes. to trust that you have the skills to be able to do it and and believe in yourself too. I think that, mm. what do they call it? That, um, oh, I always forget what it's called. No, nah, it's gone. But when okay. you, you don't think you're good enough, you think that, oh, imposter, oh, imposter syndrome. syndrome? Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. You get yeah. over that and say, actually, no, I do know what I'm doing and I am going to mm. do it. I think that's mm. that's awesome. Good on you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, 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 um, I would like to start, producing other people's songs as well eventually yeah. I'd love that's that's kind of the dream for me is to not only write and produce my own stuff but to also help other people as well other artists and collaborate yeah. with other, other artists in that way I mean I, I feel like I'm a long way away from that at this particular point in time but um uh I think I've for a while now, I've always thought to myself, it's an expensive hobby, releasing music. Mm. And so if I can learn to do a lot of it myself, yep. rather than spending $1,000 on someone else doing it for me, I'd rather yep. spend that $1,000 and learn how to do it myself. As I say, teach, uh, give, a mat, give a person a fish, they'll eat for a day, teach a person to fish and they'll eat for the life for the lifetime. So mm. that's how I see it yeah and learning continuing to learn like that's a yes. I think that's a 
very recurrent thing that I've heard just, you know, it's a theme yeah. that's coming through a lot today. It's great yeah. to keep, keep learning and, and yeah. not settling, I suppose. Yes. That's the hard why. part is not being distracted and thinking, oh, I'd like to learn how to do that too. And <laughs> while there I was learning the drums and I still want to keep learning, but yeah. I, I actually started to think, you know what, I'm, I'm biting off way more than I can chew. <laughs> I do need to start honing in on something. So yeah. <laughs> let's get the producing side of things under the belt first and then we'll yeah. go back to learning the drums because that was fun. That was yeah. so much fun. Yeah. Um, How do you go with like the um, all of that sound engineering side of stuff? Like does your brain work in that that way? It's starting to now. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah it's really starting to. Um, it's starting to really listen to things now and 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 think about like the frequency spectrum and and um I haven't really quite nailed down compression yet I'm getting right. there yeah. but these courses that I've been doing with this producer over in in the UK um she's completely self-taught but just the way she teaches everything it just makes it sound so easy and it mm-hmm. is easy the way she just kind of breaks things down yeah. um and articulate articulates it it just takes away any of the complicated stuff that you may find on youtube like it's taken mm-hmm. me it took me a really 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 long time just through like youtube tutorials to uh get a grip with uh get a grip on lots of different things that I wanted to try and um, try and do in my studio. <laughs> and I learned more in three months with Aubrey than I, uh, and got more confident with it in three months than what I did in three years. Yeah, it was right. insane. Yeah. So now yeah. I know that I can lift up the laptop and I can listen to something now and be like, right, I want to have a little bit of delay at this point and I know how to do it mm. yeah rather than yeah so it's it's learning another language and I yeah. find it fascinating so now the way I listen to music is totally different yep to what yep. I used to I used to just listen to it from a singer's aspect mm-hmm. words and and yep. and music and words and melody top line yep. now it's like right so how did they achieve the excitement in this bit with the music so Yep. Um, what sounds did they use and how many layers and all this sort of stuff that I that I was I, I was being taught in in high school that at the time I didn't care about I'm like yeah. what there's a cello there so <laughs> um, but now it's just yep. like oh right okay I can see the in- I can hear the intention behind why they're playing that particular thing so I'm probably a little bit too analytical um, but I don't see that for myself as being a downside. Mm. If, if I, I guess if I'm, my husband's sort of going, oh, I don't like this. And I'm like, yes, but you have to see why they do it. <laughs> when you have that knowledge, it's almost exactly. like yeah. too, too much. In your, yeah. Oh, I can, I can relate to that. Always just listening to the singer. And mm. I was, I was totally the same when I made my first album, um, when I was working with the the producer I was working with, he was like, now what, what sort of sound can you visualise for this? And I'm like, I was coming at it all from my point of view. And he's like, yeah. oh, no, but what about the instruments? I'm like, I don't know, isn't that what you do? Like it was yeah, like, and yeah, then I started exactly. to learn and understand 
And now this second album, I'm like telling them what I want because I can, it is another language. Like I can actually yeah. feel like I can communicate in that way now. Yeah. They're totally yeah. different, totally different. And it's great. Yeah. I love, I love that that awareness but yeah, I get, absolutely. like with the sound sound engineering stuff literally I just go I know how to make the things work that I know that I want to do and then I don't yep. fiddle with anything else because I've got yeah. no idea what yeah. I'm doing <laughs> I don't touch things I don't move things I don't fiddle like yeah that bit sounds good Leave it like that. Leave that. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. No That's idea. it. I know. Oh, it's funny God. when I when I was working with with uh, my producer for my single, there was a a certain part in the song that uh, he must have sent it back to me maybe six times, and it still wasn't achieving the sound that I wanted it to achieve. And yeah. and I kept sort of saying to him, "No, this needs to be sort of pushed up further." And this and and I'm. I mean, I know as producers, you do get so used to to working with vocalists and artists who don't know how to get the desired effect that they want. Yeah. And uh, it got to a point where I just thought, oh, you know what? It's just going to be so much easier if I just go back into the studio and we actually just sit down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And go through it. And I had this epiphany of thinking, oh my goodness, I'm trying to do more, more, more why don't I actually figure out what can be taken out to make this part stand out? And it was just a totally different perspective that I had never even, it never even entered my mind Mm. that that's sometimes what you have to do. Yeah. Um, And so we got it done in half an hour. I went into the studio and I was like, right, I've thought about it. What are the instruments that are there? What yep. can we take away? And we worked out what it was and bam, the sound appeared. <laughs> there you go. Oh, there you go. I love that. That's so awesome. Yeah, yeah. But as yeah. as Aubrey said um in the tutorials, she's she's um I'm doing actually funnily enough a vocal production thing now and um like so getting up at like one in the morning because it's a live Zoom session at four yeah. o'clock in the afternoon UK time. Oh yeah. And, um uh, she had, we did, she did a whole module last weekend on how to work with singers who really don't know what they're doing. Yeah. They like, don't even know how to sing to a metronome. Oh, and really? I, I know, right. <laughs> exactly. You just sort of think, hey, how could you, how not, you not, that? How, yeah, that's it. That, that boggles my mind. Yeah. But she said, she was actually saying that it happens more frequently than what you expect. Wow. So learning how to. It's literally being prepared for anything, isn't it? It really is. Whoa. Okay. I never thought about that before. Yeah. So there's there's been quite a few times where I've gone to bed and then my alarm's gone off at like 10 to 2 in the morning and then I'm up until 3.30. A couple of weeks ago, actually, I had a gig. Uh, about an hour and a half away and we didn't finish until 12.30 and I got home at 2 o'clock and the session was starting at 2 o'clock and oh. I was like jumping in the shower because I was really, really sweaty. Yeah. Um, jumped in the shower and quickly logged on and mm. and uh, got to bed at, yeah, at 3.30. Oh, um, man. Yeah. <laughs> you committed to <laughs> your art. we do. <laughs> oh, I love that.
drags its feet. Oh, yep. now I have to ask. Your your Instagram is like Dragonfly Industries? Dragonfly Industry. Yeah. yeah, where did that name come from? Right. So I wanted to actually separate my identity of myself mm-hmm. and the project because I felt if I had a little bit of detachment from that, it wasn't in, it wasn't including my whole identity in the project. Yeah, right. And and I was fascinated with people who had artist names that weren't a name. And the one mm-hmm. that kept coming to me was Japanese wallpaper. And mm-hmm. and that's just one guy. I can't remember his name now. Yep. And I thought, gee, it'd be really cool to have an artist name like that. I can hear it on the radio now, like debut single by Dragonfly Industry. Yep. And I thought it had to be sort of something that potentially could be um, visual. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wanted something that included like the the idea of me taking off, like growing wings and flying. Yeah, yeah. And I thought birds and butterflies, cliched, overused. I wonder what else there is. And I meditated. I distinctly remember this. I meditated one Saturday afternoon. It wasn't like I was meditating on it at all, but I, yeah. I was meditating. And I started having a discuss, like just a conversation with my late grandfather yeah. mid-meditation. And... um was washing up maybe half an hour later and then all of a sudden thought, oh, my goodness, dragonfly. I wonder if that has any symbolic meaning. Yep. And so I looked it up. But it means things like maturity and adaptation and um, let me have a look. It just, it really, really just resonated to a point where I was just like, shut up. No, this cannot be real. And, yeah, so then I thought, right, dragonfly, hmm, I'm building as well. And and mm-hmm. and then I thought, oh, industry, hmm, I wonder what the Oxford Dictionary, like I wonder what the actual definition of industry is. And it was something like manufacturing and building from raw supplies. And I just mm. thought, oh, yep. that is it. It's <laughs> perfect. Um and I had it spelt in the conventional way. And then I had someone say to me when they saw Dragonfly Industry on a lineup for uh, an open mic night that he was really intrigued to, to find out what it was because when he looked at the words, it actually looked like it was something from the corporate world. Ah. And I thought, no, I don't want that. I don't want, no. Yes. So yep. I thought I would change the spellings a little bit, but. Little did I realise that I was potentially shooting myself in the foot because I'm continually telling people how to spell it. And every night I lay in bed and wonder if it's all a dream. It's like my running's blurry, canvassed on a wooden screen. I try to separate the truth through a sieve of broken lies. The bedtime stories that I've read have only dramatised. Oh, look, thank you so much for coming on, Joe. It's been such a pleasure chatting with you. It's been lovely. Yeah, thanks for sharing all your bits and bobs and and indulging me where I've wandered off on the tangent. (laughs) Oh, don't worry, I've done the same thing. (laughs) That's been great. And, yeah, I'll put all the... 
gather up all your links and, and put them in the show notes so people want to follow along with you safari your adventure <laughs> my safari <laughs> yeah and all the best i hope you yeah have have a good time making your singles and or deciding it's an ep whatever you decide yeah. i'll keep an eye out for them yeah thanks again it's Thank been you great. so much it was great it was so good fun thanks for your company today if you've enjoyed this episode i'd love you to consider leaving us a review following or subscribing to the podcast or even sharing it with a friend you think might be interested. If you or someone you know would like to be a guest on the podcast, please get in touch with us via the link in the show notes. I'll catch you again next week for another chat with an artistic mum.